I want to uh, share uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 7 this morning. Uh, and I want to speak a little bit about uh, missing the opportunities, missing the opportunities of Christmas time. So this is God's word, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. It's a lovely story of a little town on the east coast, coastal town in the United States. Uh, and they were having a meeting. They were having a few financial problems in the town, and uh, they were having a meeting, and the discussion started to take place. And there were about two dozen of the folk that were there. Uh, and then there was a stranger in that midst. They didn't know who he was. Uh, and at one point in the discussion, he stood up and he started to make a few comments about various things that they had spoken about, but he was just shut down, and they continued with the discussion. He kept quiet, and he left early. But as he was leaving, as he was walking down the steps of the little hall in which they had gathered, uh, a latecomer came into the hall and recognized him, and he uh, came into the hall, uh, and, and, he, and he said, um, did he help you? And they said, what are you talking about? He said, did he, did he offer his help? And I said, who, who was that? He said, no, don't you know? He is John D. Rockefeller, who at that point was the wealthiest man in the world. He has his yacht in our harbor. Did he help us? I didn't know who he was, and he left early. It was a missed opportunity. I don't know if you've ever felt that you could kick yourself in the seat of your pants because you have missed an opportunity. We miss opportunities sometimes all the time to make a positive difference in somebody's life. We miss an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else who's hurting. We miss an opportunity to witness to a friend. We miss an opportunity to get a certain job because we weren't prepared enough. We miss the opportunity to minister to our spouse or to our children because we're just so preoccupied with life. We miss the opportunity to make an eternal difference in a person's life because we miss that opportunity. I'm convinced that it's happened to all of us. Andy Stanley in his book, Visionaring, said this, We don't need to pray for more miracles. We just need to be more sensitive to the opportunities that God brings our way. Boy, isn't that the truth? 
Why is it that some people just have such an incredible advantage and they can see opportunities and they take those opportunities? Uh, they're just lucky. No, I don't think luck has anything to do with it. They just are more sensitive to the opportunities that come their way. It's like that shoe company who sent a salesman to the South Sea Islands. And the salesman arrived there and after two weeks he sent a message back. He says, bring me home. Nobody here wears shoes. So they sent another salesman. And after two weeks he said, send all the shoes that you've got. Nobody wears shoes. It's about opportunity. Each one of us has the power to bless. Somebody today. Somebody around you. You know, if you're looking for a big ministry, if you're looking for God to show up and to give you something special, uh, but you need to look at the incredible needs that are around you all the time. Don't wait for somebody else to be a blessing. You be the blessing. You be faithful in those few things that God has given to you. A church is built one block at a time. One brick at a time. People are touched one at a time. Make sure that you touch somebody else. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water, who is my disciple, truly I say to you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Let's give a few examples from the Bible. People who missed golden opportunities. Noah. Chance came. All those people, while he was building this ark that took many, many years, chance came for those people to respond to this message, to listen to the preacher. And when the ark was built and the rains came and the water level started to increase and the doors shut, then they had time to listen. But it was too late. About the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. God had said to them, said to Abraham, I'm going to destroy those cities. And Abraham interceded and he prayed for those cities. And he said to Lot, this is going to be the situation. And Lot went to his sons-in-law and they said, listen, you better listen. You better leave the city. And they, were, didn't, they didn't listen. See, that's what happens when you camp at Sodom. People don't take you seriously. How about the thieves on the cross, on either side of Jesus? One recognized the opportunity. This was his last gasp. This is his last opportunity. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today you will be with me in paradise, said Jesus. Another one said, if you're the son of God, get us out of this mess. Get us out of this terrible situation. He didn't have uh, he didn't want to serve God. He just wanted to get out of his discomfort. About the story of the Good Samaritan. There's a guy that's traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem and on the way he's set upon by some thieves. They stripped him. They stole his money and they beat him up and they left him to die. Hmm. 
and a certain priest walks past. Looks. Uh-uh. And carries on. A Levite comes past. Walks on. A Samaritan comes past. Picks him up, nurses him, cares for him, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, pays for him, and sees that he is returned to health in a few days. At least started. And Jesus says, tell me, who do you think is the neighbor to him? What an opportunity to minister. How about David? David, as a young boy in his youth, has to fend off a lion, and then a bear. And then he confronts the giant across the valley of Eli. Why does God send a lion and a bear and a giant for you to fight? That's not part of the Christian life. Listen, these are disguised opportunities. These are wonderful, wonderful opportunities for you. You see, if David had failed or faltered in fighting that lion and that bear and that giant, he probably would never, ever have come to be the great king of Israel. They were opportunities in disguise. How about Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9? For a wide door for effective service is open to me. Isn't that a great verse? A wide door to go and evangelize the world. The, the nations are in our, our inheritance. For a wide door for effective service has been opened to me. And there are many adversaries. If you want God to give you open doors, know this. The opportunities are there, but they're going to be adversaries. They are opportunities in disguise. I think a great, great definition of spiritual maturity comes from Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. Make the most of every opportunity. It doesn't say how many or how few opportunities. It doesn't say how big the opportunities or how small the opportunities. It says make the most of every opportunity. In olden times, before modern harbors were developed, the ships that came in had to wait for high tide before they could come in and moor and park their boat. <laughs> they had to wait for high, time, high tide. If, if, if that moment was missed, they had to wait for the next tide to come in. Latin word is ob portu. And sometimes we miss that opportunity. Winston Churchill said, a pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity, an optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. And he is right. When that first story took place, when Jesus was born, there were opportunities there. And the first one that missed the opportunity was Herod. When the wise men, the Magi, came and they announced, we're following the star. We've come because there's going to be a savior that has been to be born. Herod called the scribes and said, come tell me, where is this person to be born? And they said, well, the word of God says from a hundred years ago, the word of God says that he's to be born in Bethlehem. Go and find him 
come back and tell me and I'll go and worship. But he, that wasn't his intention. Uh, it's very interesting to see. He said he, he, he had this deluded thinking that somebody else was going to be responsible for his spiritual life. You go and find them and then come and tell me. Martin Luther always says, man's idea about religion and faith always show up in the use of his personal pronouns. Is it a savior? Is it the savior? Or is it my savior? That's the difference. Some things you can't do for yourself. You can't be born for somebody else. Go to school with somebody else, to sleep, to wash, to marry, to die, to eat. And salvation is exactly the same. You have to respond to Jesus Christ personally. Jesus asked two questions of the disciples at a crucial point in the Gospels. He says, who do men say that I am? And then comes the next question, the most important question, who do you say? Who do you say I am, says Jesus? And that is a question that every single one of us has to answer. Who do we say Jesus is? I love the words of Charles Spurgeon who said, For me Jesus is this, what the sun is to the day, what the moon is to the night, what the dew is to the flower, such is Jesus Christ to me. What the bread is to the hungry, what clothes are to the naked, what the hand is to the body, such is Jesus Christ to me. It's very interesting that when the wise men did find Jesus, God revealed to them in a dream to go back a different route. And they went back a different route. Herod was furious. And it unleashed his anger and his wrath. And he killed children, babies, male babies over uh, under the age of two. Historians say there were about 20 babies that were killed because of this man. But he missed the opportunity. And then the innkeeper. Is there any room here? No room. No room for me. You see, we have this lackadaisical attitude and we miss the opportunity, this half-hearted attitude. John chapter 1 and verse 11 says, He came to His own and those who were His own did not receive Him. That is a tragedy of a people that were prepared for a task, but then they refused to take on that task. And the innkeeper was so preoccupied with his life. He had all these guests. He wanted to see to their comfort. He wanted to see to their meals. He was just too preoccupied and busy with his own stuff. Did we put, did you take that picture? Just, you could put it on, please, Anima. This was a picture painting of King Frederick the Great. It's incomplete. The artist painted all the other generals meticulously 
And then the king, he, paid, he waited until last, but he didn't get to do it. He died before that. Didn't finish the painting. And for many people, our lives are just like that. Our lives are just like that because we are so occupied with the generals of lesser significance and background material and inconsequential things that we leave the king out to last. We're completely absorbed with this life. Our faith and our religion is just like a hobby. And like our hobbies, we, 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 we put our faith into discretionary time. Instead of making Jesus our king, and if you don't make Jesus your king, it's always going to be a hobby. Always. Life is too busy. This was the Son of God. Since a young guy read that story, and I, why, why did the innkeeper turn them away? Did he not know who this person was? See, and our lives get too busy, too caught up with other things, too preoccupied. They're not bad things in themselves, but just too preoccupied. We don't realize who this baby is. And who is this baby? He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He's the Redeemer of mankind. He offers us life. He brings reconciliation so that we can get back to God. He is the light of the world. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulder, and the name his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is who he is. Don't say, I have no room, because you will miss an opportunity. And then the wise men. They followed the star. They heard the word. He's in Bethlehem. The interesting thing is that the other wise men, the scribes, knew where to go, but they didn't go. There were two classes of wise men in Herod's palace that night. One knew the way. There it is. But they didn't go. But the wise men who really didn't know and needed to be pointed went. And they came back a different route. When Jesus encounters us and we come into an awareness of his life and his knowledge of his salvation, we go back a different route. And there are many, many stories who have found, of, of people who have found Jesus Christ and have traveled a different route. Blaspheming Paul, or Saul, became the preaching Paul. Saul, the mighty one. Paul, the little one. Because of his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. Augustine, a great church, early church father. A man who in his, on his 30th birthday, who had lived a very careless and corrupt life and came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. He changed completely and became one of the great theologians of the early church. Martin Luther trying to earn his salvation, trying to strive for his salvation, and he realized from the scriptures, 
Faith comes through grace and grace alone. Don't miss the opportunity. How can we take more advantage of the opportunities that God gives to us? But we need to realize who we are in Christ. We need to realize that we are redeemed. That we've been adopted into his family. That we have a ministry of reconciliation. We have the greatest news in the entire world. We have what Christ offers us and that is eternal life. And we need to believe what we are, what we say and what we're selling. We need to believe it. And we need to realize that Christ through us can make a difference. Listen, you are the light of the world, Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth. You are the one who shows the way. You are also the one who makes people thirsty for spiritual things and an encounter with Jesus Christ. We need to have that responsibility and realize that we have that responsibility to reach out and to touch others as well. The angels came and announced the coming of Jesus. That announcement has taken place. What announcement are you making to others? Of his birth, of his death, of his resurrection. Make the most of every opportunity. Came across this statement. Jesus is better than Santa, and I'm going to finish off with this. Santa lives in the North Pole. Jesus is everywhere. Santa rides on a sleigh. Jesus rides on the wind and he walks on water. Santa comes once a year. Jesus is an ever-present help. Santa fills our stockings with goodies. Jesus supplies all your needs. Santa comes down the chimney uninvited. Jesus stands at the door and knocks until you invite him into your heart. You have to stand in line when you see Santa. Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. Santa lets you sit on his lap. Jesus lets you rest in his arms. Santa doesn't know your name and all he can say, Hi little boy, hi little girl, what's your name? Jesus knows your name before we even did. And not only that, he knows our address too. He knows our history. He knows our future. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Santa has a belly like a bowl of fresh jelly. Jesus has a heart full of love. All that Santa can offer is ho, ho, ho. Jesus offers health, help, and hope. Santa says, you better not cry. Jesus says, you can cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. Santa's little helpers make toys. Jesus makes new life. He mends broken hearts. He repairs wounded homes and builds mansions. Satan, uh, Santa, there might be an equivalent. I was, I was afraid that I would make that mistake. Santa can make you chuckle, but Jesus gives you joy, which is your strength. 
When Santa gives, puts a gift under the tree, Jesus became our gift and died on a tree. It's obvious that there are no comparisons. We need to remember who Christmas is all about. We need to put Christ back into the Christmas. Jesus is still the reason for the season. 